welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. Your number one source for theories, news and discussion. And interviews from the books and the films like me, Rupert Grint. I play Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter films. And now your host, John and Sue. Does everybody know what time it is? It's Pottercast time! Everybody grab your tools, because it's time. Just kidding. It's Pottercast, guys. Episode 124, and we're going to have a heck of a week, because this is... A podcast without our fearless leader. What's her name? Um, Melvin Marvicious. Melvin! Melvin. <laughs> I'm going to use that from now on. I'm going to give <laughs> Melvin a call and tell her how we did. But okay. this is without Melvin. This is John. And this is Sue. We are talking about Harry Potter and everything else this week. It's going to be a fun time. We've got lots of segments that I'll tell you all about after we hear from our favorite bookstore friends at Borders. Haven't read Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows yet? Don't worry, Borders is here to help. Pick up your copy of this summer smash hit soon. You won't be able to hide from the spoilers forever. You can count on Borders to have it in stock and ready to take home tonight, along with the audiobook version. Even if you've read the book, the Harry Potter fun doesn't have to end yet. Visit BordersMedia.com or click on the Borders banner at the top of the podcast page to find out more. Awesome, awesome. And if you've managed to hide from spoilers this long, you're a better man than I, because... Hell, I think I survived the spoilers up until two hours before midnight the night the book came out. Yeah. And I just couldn't stay off the comment boards. Well, yeah, well, when, I mean, when Joe names a character after you, you're dying <laughs> to tell the world about it. So That's pretty much true. That was pretty awesome. That killed me. I'm sorry. I appreciate it, Joe, but that post, the comments, was what spoiled me. Sad to say. So My you're blaming Joe. You're blaming oh, Joe. Oh, I know. I'm always quick to blame somebody. Oh, I don't know. I? Sorry, <laughs> but an awesome show, even sans Melissa. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a Scrippy Five with our lovely, lovely Scrippy gals. Mm-hmm. And um, we're back with Canon Conclendrums, recorded early in the week before the madness with Mr. Van Der Ark. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a bit by bit, taking the Canon bits at a time. Yay. What's the topic this week, Sue? Oh, we love those crazy seven. That number seven is back with the seven potters. Woo-hoo. Everybody watch your pants. We're putting on seven Harrys. <laughs> and we've got, on top of that, the Phoenix Files, where we take, similar to bit by bit, a bit of the Order of the Phoenix film at a time. And we talk about one of our, I'll say it, one of my favorite yeah. people and actresses. Her name is Ivana Lynch, and we talk about Luna. I love Who's her. here to join us this week, a special guest. <laughs> The Thestral. The Thestrals are here? The Thestrals are here. Sorry, not Ivana Lynch. (laughs) The Thestrals are here in the form of our favorite uh, assistants, their senior staff, Lizzie and Chloe, who will be our guest hosts of the week. So it's Mm -hmm. not just Crazy Sue and I the whole week. No. But um, they do a great job. (laughs) You'll hear from them soon. Uh That's the show and a half for you right there. I guess we can talk about the news, right? We do have news. Guess what, everyone? It's official now. We've seen it. The official Uh-oh. photos of Hagrid's hut have now surfaced. It's back. How big's the hot tub? There's no hot tub. Oh, what the hell are they doing? Are they sitting in the hot tub until Deathly Hallows? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm a, you know, poor Hagrid, man. He's just yeah. losing out on that hot tub action, I guess. Yep, my hut you know. returns <laughs> with Hagrid's hut getting yet another makeover. Actually, it doesn't look that much different now this time, does No, it, it doesn't, but... I'm, I'm very disappointed. I know. I wanted, like, aluminum siding or something. 
You know, I was too. And 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 this is a question because this is kind of ties into another okay. thing. Okay. Okay. Now we've seen that we saw the first. There's like three or four photos of this hut, this hut being built, and we've sure. also had a wonderful. I have to say, a wonderful feature from a company named Rising Sun out of yeah. Australia, and they do some of the special effects. And they did a thing about Harry, but they also showed how they shot. They took a shot of the trio running down the hill, and they yeah. added in Hogwarts. But then they added in Hagrid's hut. Interesting. I mean, it's just, you know, a matter of locations. And I guess they just didn't have that sort of hill nearby where they made the hut, which is kind of silly because they're moving that hut every dang time. Mm. So they just move it to a hill if they want it near a hill. But I guess. But I'm, whatever. I, I'm not the master of this stuff yet. Maybe one day. We will be, though. For those that don't know, John is, is studying. Um, An aspiring you know, he is. effects student. But it's very, very time-consuming, very meticulous, very painstaking work that these companies do. Yeah. And what was neat about this feature is that you can actually see they have it on, on their website. We have links on our, on our website. It's really, really it. cool. Put that stuff on the DVD, guys. Come on. All the other Absolutely. big effects movies usually have that stuff in there. Where's that cool stuff? Uh-huh. Thank you so much. Rising Sun, was it, you yes, said? Yes, it was. And they put... For doing that. It was so cool. So yes, cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Do it for everything else so I can learn how you did it. Yes. <laughs> I actually have a better idea about that stuff yes, now. Yes, give us all of your secrets now. We shall do the movie for you. <laughs> Only on podcast. I know. And speaking of movies, oh, I do have to commend, we have had our readers... Um, as we, we talked about last week, but filming was um, taking place in Laycock in Wiltshire, England, and they did the scene where Harry and Dumbledore apparate outside of um, Slughorn's home, where he's hiding at the beginning of the book. Yes. Yes. And so we saw, we've had so many fantastic reports from readers who went to the scene and wrote down all these details, and they yeah. sent in these fabulous pictures, and we had them first, and I just want to say thank you. Rock. Leaky readers rock. So that was amazing. Hey, Sue, do you know why they're filming that part of the uh, part of the film now? Uh, no. Why? <laughs> because they can, can, can! Because they can, can, can! But I thought it was neat. What was neat in the photos, and we were talking about that um, Dumbledore was wearing a cast on his hand, and, and we were just, yeah. just talking about special effects. They're actually going to put that in, right, John? Like, they are. They are going to, to add that in. I, I, I presume, if not for every shot, it, at least it looks like some of the shots were going to have a digital replacement for uh, his gross hand. You know, doesn't that give you hope that when you hear these details about, you know, them them saying, you know, here's Dumbledore with his withered hand. I mean, they could have just done yes. away with that. They, they, there's no need for them to put that in there. And yeah, yeah, they could have just, you know, painted yeah. it black with finger paint or something. But yeah. they actually have millions of dollars in their budget, so oh, they don't have to do crap that. like that. <laughs> Look at them. Congratulations. Um, What else is going on? Oh, well, speaking of, I have to say this because Mr. Gambon has given another interview and he says... Oh, yes. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) Please. I I think there's like five stages of, you know, (laughs) dealing with Gambon. First of it is like, what the heck was that? Then it was like anger, like, oh my God, did he just do that? And then confusion is like, why did they let that in? And then it's like, oh, this poor guy doesn't read the internet. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing is wrong. I know. but So it's like, the poor guy, what did he say? He didn't. He doesn't even watch his movies. He doesn't watch his movies. He hadn't watched the Harry Potter films. Oh. And, and he, you know, he's like, oh, wait, I, I might have seen one. Oh, okay. Thanks. I mean, that's like, that's like Joe saying like, oh, I wrote the book, but I've never read them. <laughs> You know, know, the man is an excellent actor, and he, he did a fabulous turn on play. Yeah. He did a one. He didn't even speak a sound. I'm starting to develop more theories about this whole thing. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, 
it's like you know you got somebody on set like michael gambin and granted you've got all kinds of talented british actors out yes. there but who's the person on set that you think is going to be more reserved about giving too much direction to? Yeah. Um, probably, probably the guy who's going to be, you know, 20 years older than anybody else over right, there. Right. Who's going to be doing this for longer than anybody. Mm-hmm. And he told him, you're going to be an old wizard. You know, he's going to be like Michael Gambon, Michael Gambon, Michael Gambon. He'd be like, Arrestrio Momentum! Michael Gambon, <laughs> Michael Gambon, Michael Gambon. Yes. So... Yeah, there's there's only so much we're gonna get from this guy, and and considering what we found out about Deathly Hallows, like oh I said goodness. before, I like this this Dumbledore better than yeah. the the hippie love Dumbledore that so many people thought he was before Deathly Hallows came yeah. out. So, rock on, Gambin. It's okay. You don't need to read, <laughs> watch the movies. We're watching them plenty for you. <laughs> yeah, we got enough. We'll track you enough. But they just, you know, when he gives these interviews, you just. I mean, I actually cringe every time one of these pops up, and I just think, oh, no, please, please don't let him say this. But then... Yeah, I just want him to wear a new dang outfit, just for once. No. Does he have other clothes? Does this poor guy just have his own purple uniform he wears all the time? Well, we learned that he was a stylish guy, like in the books. I mean, he had like kind of red suit or something, you know. Tell me me what 117-year-old gay man only has one outfit. (laughs) Explain this to me. I don't know. Most, most, regardless of what they are, their I sexuality, mean, has people have more than one attire. Although, exactly. look at Sirius Black. You know, the whole time, he didn't bother to get a new... Hey, he rolled it with that fur robe. Oh, that's right. right. Underneath, that underneath though, but he was still had it. That's true. Well, I guess that's you true. You know, when you're, when you're spending half your life as a dog and <laughs> running around naked anyway, you probably don't have too much attachment to your clothes. Well, I'm not going to complain about. I... Or, okay, I'll be good. Okay, we're moving on. Oh, speaking of of people dressing, um, there is a stylish dress doll now that you can own, John. Is it? Boldy wears Prada, baby. Oh my God! They, they they decided they to reinforce their decision of putting him in a suit by immortalizing it in a doll. In a doll. I awesome. Mean... <laughs> I've always wanted dress up Voldemort. To be honest, I had dolls. <laughs> Growing up that I mostly just, you know, took their clothes off and made them, you know, <laughs> kiss each other or pull their heads off like most boys do with kids, their sister's dolls. Now you can do it with Voldemort and it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Did they have other dolls out like this, similar to this, that you can what? make they them do, interact with? They, they they do. Well, they have, Tonner makes these, these high-end dolls and we've had several of them. We've had Harry and uh-huh. Ron Hermione. But this one of, of Voldemort, I mean, he's he's got the whole black suit on. Oh, my gosh. He's got the, the dress patent leather shoes. I mean, yeah. you know, the whole thing. But, I mean, who wants out. a sharp-dressed Dark Lord? Maybe not. I don't know. 150 not bucks very for that scary. thing, too. I'm like, come on. He's like, I'm going to an interview with Voldemort. I <laughs> will then kill the guy if I don't get the job. <laughs> Why does he need to be wearing? He hates muggles. He hates muggle clothes, too. <laughs> Why would he be throwing up in the Prada suit? You know, I don't know. Maybe I mean, me. what's, what's his face? Archie here, who, you know, knew so little about Muggle as he wears a dress to the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. You got somebody like Voldemort, who utterly despises Muggles, but is very fashionable in their fashion. <laughs> he gets it. He may I, like to torture them, but Lord help him if he doesn't know what the best suit to wear is. I guess um, Bella must have helped him pick that out, I guess. Yeah, I don't she, know. You dressed him nicely. <laughs> okay, there's one. There's there's there is one more piece of news. This is kind of fun. That Miss Joe has not actually done writing. 
she's actually no look at her she decided <laughs> i'm gonna tell everybody that i'm done writing books but i'm gonna secretly write beetle and the bard beetles of the bard do 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 and not beetles only did she bard. write them but she didn't write it for everybody she just wrote yeah that's no fair no. come on no one likes a click <laughs> Nobody likes to be like, neener, 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 I wrote a book and you're not allowed to read it unless you have a million dollars to spend at Sotheby's. Yeah. Um, Joe is but, writing, she, she has written, handwritten, these yeah. long books by hand. Yeah. And, she, and she is auctioning one off for charity. At, I, I think it's in December 13th is the date. And um, they put, it's encrusted in jewels and everything. Yeah. I mean, whoo-hoo, but... Is it is it time to start the get a beetle campaign on Leaky? You know, we people actually said that right away. They're like, "Oh, can we do that?" You know? Well, seriously, I mean, it's like you know. Yeah. But I would have much rather had a beetle in the bard book than a ninety-three word card. Uh, yeah, I think I would have. <laughs> and isn't isn't that money going to charity anyway? Yes. That they uh, mm-hmm. all the money that, that Sotheby is getting. Yes, all the money is uh, from the charity itself is going to that children's voice. It was you know it was that children's high level group that she started about the, the, yeah, the yeah. terrible about the children in the cages, and it was just a. a how much did how much did we raise for the first kid of clue? Mm-hmm. Roughly, uh, I don't know thirty something thousand. Oh, thirty something. Uh, I don't. know. It's probably more than uh, that. Don't don't quote me on that because I don't know offhand. Yeah, but we raced a lot, but it wasn't enough. I mean, we got outbid like in like two seconds or something crazy. Oh well, it was it was the uh, thought that counts. Yeah, but I don't know. This will, you know, I mean, they're hoping to raise huge amounts of money for this. But can I just say this though? If fans are interested and then they think, oh, we're never going to get this, you know, and stuff. The Sotheby's is also has a 48 page um, catalog that has images and a, a thing from Joe and excerpts and kind of stuff from the from the book that you can buy. Yeah. And all that money from that will go to the same charity as well. So and we have links that's for that cool. on our website, which is really cool. So, that's cool. Yeah, so you can you can do that, too. I mean, I just can't imagine that we're not eventually going to get this thing in some I form. think I think she will. I mean, the nice, the cool thing yeah. about her is that she's like hand drew illustrations oh, yeah. for these, and they were like got jewels on the front. I mean, that'll make them valuable in and of right. itself. But to, to deprive us of, you know, Joe's written word like yeah. this, more than a ninety-three word right. card, yeah, is just cruel and unusual. Especially making it so public. Like, fine if you want to make things for your friends, right. you know, do it. But it's like going to going to class one day and you're being like. Hey, you six over here, you're coming to my awesome Super 16 party. Yeah. And everybody else is like, cool, you're having a party. And they're like, oh, you're not invited, sorry. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about it all over the place. Yeah, I think I think eventually. I mean, you know, maybe she'll it'll come out in the future. She, she's retaining, like she said, the uh, publishing rights to those the books. So I think maybe, I mean, she never, the, the article's never said on Joe, never said on her website, she's never going to release this in the future. Yeah. She did not say those words specifically. Yeah. So, you know. Who knows? It could be included in the encyclopedia. Yeah. Who knows how long this book it, yeah, is? You know, you know exactly. Did she say how long the book was? Um, I think it's like a like 140 pages long. Holy God! Are you kidding? I thought it was like no. It Dr. Seuss kind no. of. <laughs> but you know, but if you look at the pages, we we um she did an interview with BBC, and we have that in our in our galleries. You can watch it, but um you can see some of the yeah. pages, and even the pages are really um like the the. The amount of information on are not really long, so okay, yeah. You know, so it's kind of like Doctor. It's Seuss. it's just a tale of all the different things that if you haven't read the book, but it's it's mentioned in in the book, and it mm. has all the different tales mm. from the Deathly Hallows stuff and the little fairy tale thing that you know from Hermione or whatever. Yeah, and um, I think there was something else going on. Well, we did just briefly touch on the encyclopedia. It is a giant pink elephant yeah. in the room and in the fandom. 
you know what, guys, we're not really going to talk about it all too much because it's uh, a serious thing that's going on with um, the lawsuit now between um, Joe and WB mm-hmm. and our friend Steve from uh, Lexicon and the Canic and Conundrums. You know, you're probably not going to hear anything public uh, now from uh, either, either the two of them is going to have to be settled and dealt with in uh, the proper channels. But, uh, you know, for our part, we wish the situation be resolved as fairly and hopefully as quickly mm-hmm. as possible because it's you know it's it's a, a tough thing uh, i mean even looking at it as you got a good friend like steve and you know we at leaky would like to consider joe as a good friend mm-hmm. too so whenever you see you know two friends getting into it it's a tough Very thing tough. we're going to wish everybody involved uh the best and again hopefully uh, we get a quick and fair resolution for everybody we do have information about the suit on our website. We have the, the actual entire suit, if you would like to read that. We have the links. We also have the response from, from the publishers, and that information is there. But... Yeah, I mean, as, as far as Leaky's role in this, all we're going to do is, you know, give the fans what we continue to give them is information about things that are mm-hmm. of interest to the Powder fans, so we'll report about it as fairly as we possibly can from, from both sides. And uh, for his part, Steve is... Uh, more than welcome. Yes. More can, can continue to be welcome on the Canon Conclusions as per usual. There's nothing, nothing that said he can't, mm-hmm. and uh, we still think he's a pretty, pretty smart much. guy yeah. and a worthwhile addition to that segment, which you all would probably agree. And with that, we're going to hear from some of you guys about uh, the topic we chose for our bit by bit, our seven Harrys, with your fan thoughts. Hi, this is Samantha subbing this week for Kimmy Blair. This week we are going to listen as Ashley, known as Chocolate is Not for Breakfast, Owen, known as Nimbus XL, Sarah, known as Stampscal, Libby, and Julie, known as Amina, are going to discuss the next bit of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Now let's listen to their fan thoughts as they talk about Chapter 4, The Seven Potters, and Harry's escape from Privet Drive. Chapter 4, The Seven Potters, that had me so frightened. I've never been so scared reading a chapter of Harry Potter in my entire life. I was sure, having so many people, that somebody was going to die. The whole time, after they transformed and after they got on their broomsticks and got on wherever, I was like, you knew that they were going to be attacked because of the first scene when Snape was talking to Voldemort. You knew that something was going to happen, and so it was kind of like this tragic, like, don't go, I know something bad's going to happen. This chapter was a nice mixture of humour and action. Some of the funniest moments so far in the book occurred when six different characters compared what it's like to be Harry Potter. The chase was almost film-like in its writing, describing the action with a great sense of adrenaline and suspension. I loved it. Talk about an action sequence. Even though we were told firsthand about Voldemort's plans for Privet Drive, I was still shocked when Harry was attacked the second he left the boundary of Lily's protection. That part was all a blur to me the first time I read it, and I almost missed the fact that Hedwig died. I was like a full paragraph beyond it, and I'm like, whoa. Once again, the humor in this chapter is brilliant. When they get the Polyjuice potion out, and Hermione says, Harry, you look tasty. You can imagine the look on Ron's face when she says that. And then when she tries to defend herself about why she said it like that, you can just kind of see her blushing as well. When all of the Order members and Ron and Hermione come in, it was interesting to see how they were willing to go through such lengths to keep him safe so they could have a hand in helping him make the world a safer place for everyone. 
Chapter four was my favorite chapter of the first half of the book. The first half of it was so funny when the six doppelgangers were just stripping down, and, and Harry's like, "Hey, give me some privacy here." And of course, Fred and George were terrific as always, and Hedwig gets killed. I think that's the first time I got choked up while listening to it. I could not believe that the fourth chapter and this little character that just means so much to Harry is dead. Well, here we are, Sue, with a bit by bit. Yes. Well, for this week, mm-hmm. tackling the tackling some canon a bit at a time. I have some pretty cool canon, actually. Some of my favorite uh, canon of Deathly Hollows at the time that I was reading it. At that point, <laughs> yeah, that's clear. <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's very uh-huh. cool. And we have some friends. We have uh, some guest hosts. Ooh, who could that be? That are very familiar faces to leaky staffers, especially uh, uh, myself and Sue and Melissa. Yeah. But um, they are um, Lizzie and Chloe. Say hello. 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 Yay. We love them. And uh, Chloe... Chloe helps me out uh, with uh, all the crazy email you guys sent, and Lizzie helps Melissa, and uh, you're good, smart girls here, so this will be some good segments, right, guys? Uh, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I, don't, I don't doubt it. So, uh, who wants to tell us what we're talking about? Well, uh, this is the chapter where we're... For, it's, called, it's chapter four in the book, The Seven Potters, and, and this is where we have just left... The Dursleys have gone. Our little friend Dudders is now gone. And Harry's zooming around the house, right, ladies? And he's looking around yeah. and it's all gone. It's all his. It's the last time. So sad. Was it? Did you did you feel sad when you were reading that? I thought it was sad because he's looking at the cupboard and he's t- talking to Hedwig. He's like, I used to sleep there. Oh, and it's, yeah. You're remembering back through all the books and there's all these oh. different moments. He goes back and it's kind of like a recap for the fans. It was... Sweet, and then you have your your Hedwig mentionings, which of mm. course we know what happens there. Oh, don't go there, like, Hedwig. Are you sure that you don't want to go out for a hunt? Hedwig's like, yeah, I'm tired, <laughs> and that was her downfall. Oh, no. very sad. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just a little bit. Can I just say one of my favorite lines that Joe wrote, the way she wrote this chapter is like she comes in and like um, Harry's looking at, like you said, he's looking through the house and all of a sudden, boom, you know, there's the, the disillusionment charms had been lifted. Yeah. There's like this sight you just you can imagine in your head. And she writes how all the people get out and they off the off their brooms, off the thestrals. And then she talks about each of their hairs. And just the way she wrote that sentence, I know just because I'm a squirrel. But the way from a grammatical <laughs> point of view, that was really kind of cool. Like Ron, you know, Hermione and her bushy hair tied back. And, and she just described each of their hairs. And I just yeah. thought it was kind of funny. I don't know. They were like warriors. Yeah, almost. yeah, like doo doo, like the yeah. like, like the, and the what do you call corner. them? The dirty dozen or somebody showing up? I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Weighing in at one hundred and fifty pounds, <laughs> red hair, six foot one, Ron Weasley. You know, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Because I didn't know what to expect at that point. I was like, all right, rock. Here they all are. There's Mad-Eye leading the charge, man. I was like, Oh, jeez, yeah, Mad-Eye. Yes. I reread that tonight, and that oh. made me really sad. But, yeah. The Mad-Eye made you sad? Mad-Eye was close to your heart, was he? No, but just rereading it and looking back was yeah. sad. 
That's true. Because I like how they describe him in that chapter where they, I think they call him a warrior or something, don't they? Doesn't she? I think. I, I think well, so. Well, later, the next chapter is actually called Fallen Warrior, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but when he lands, that's how they refer to him. Where When they're describing everyone's hair, he's got like the warrior's dents or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, you know, the Clint Eastwood or something like, you know, just got off his yeah. horse. Hey, partner. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Mad Eye Moody. Totally. <laughs> so all these people show up with their brilliant plan, which was not to uh, uh, polyjuice um, Harry to be Pierce Polk's and uh, <laughs> drive away with the Dursleys, but to polyjuice all of them to look like Harry. Yeah. Which was pretty dang funny. <laughs> and I'll let your uh, dirty minds f- wonder why. <laughs> Everyone else is commenting, like Ron's commenting, oh, I knew you didn't have that tattoo. And they're all making their various comments. And then Hermione's just concerned that she can't see properly. I know. You, you'd think she'd go right for uh, um, how big her feet were. But... <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> thank you, John. You know what I thought was just was funny though that was the humor in the line. So like she was talking, you know, like because uh, like Harry at first was like protesting, and you know if you think I'm going to let you risk our lives and like Ron's little comment, yeah, because it's the first time for all of us, you know. I mean, just, just <laughs> slam <laughs> back to totally. earth, Harry. You know, you can be noble, but Sweet you know what? Hero, Harry. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, and and the part where um you know Ron having roomed with Harry for how many years yeah. now? That didn't know if he had a tattoo or not, but Jenny oh, yes. knew because Jenny, <laughs> Jenny has been everywhere apparently. So, it's oh, no. common knowledge there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hilarious, you yeah. know. So these guys they take off from the little transformation, and um, Harry gets paired with Mister Haggard on the bike. I thought. Um... I thought that moment was really sweet since, you know, we see, we first see Harry coming in with Hagrid in the first book. Yeah. And so Hagrid is the one to take Harry away from Privet Drive mm-hmm. for the last time. That was a brilliant point, too. That was something I I remember thought was pretty dang cool. Yeah. But uh, well, I was just ha- things did not go to plan. No, well, I was just happy no. that Sirius's bike was back because we had been wondering, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> I was yeah. like, squee! With modifications. Yeah, yeah. Arthur, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Arthur. Gotta get the fire, get it, that muggle juice powered up, you know. What were all the modifications? They can send stuff out the exhaust send pipe, like wall. brick walls yeah, and things? Yeah, wall, dragon fire. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. Can I just tell you what a goofball I am, but when I was reading that, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, many are... A European audience won't know this, but there was a show back in the 60s called Batman, and they used to have this thing called the Batmobile, <laughs> but it was like campy and stuff, yes. and it would blast stuff out all the time, and I'm reading that like about the thing, and I'm thinking, I just kept thinking, Hagrid has his own Batmobile. I don't know. <laughs> and I just had this image totally. of him like whipping along up there, you know, and he's got his little goggles on, his red bearing look going on. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm a goof. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought that whole chapter was so vividly written, you know, you just kind of. Flash. Yeah. Okay. I'll be quiet now. Yeah. Just- <laughs> it was awesome, though. It was it was cool that he got to ride that thing. And, and for us to realize that there are limits to uh, like, like brooms, for instance. Yeah. I don't think that was something we knew. Like, we figured a broom could lift up anybody, but apparently not people as big as Hagrid. Couldn't they've yeah. made him a really big broom, though. Yeah, it would really, it would be really <laughs> funny looking. I don't know if Nimbus is gonna 
<laughs> you know, they'd probably charge quite a hefty fee for that. The Nimbus giant line. I can just see it now coming soon. Can't, yeah. Can't really mass produce those things, too. Well, can you see a Garoppolo? Garoppolo do with a broom, oh, man. He'd, he'd eat it or use it as a toothpick or something. He's not, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd give it to Hermione. whack people with it. Yeah. You know. Or he'd have a very scared, confused flight somewhere and knock something oh, over, no doubt. But... That'd be sad. <laughs> so yes. Well... What what did you guys think when immediately they're surrounded by death theaters? Oh my god, that was so scary. I I was on the edge of my chair reading that through the entire through the entire thing. And like I was I was expecting something like that, but I didn't think mm-hmm. it was gonna be that big right off. Yeah. yeah. You know, so soon in the book. Well what what struck me was that um uh, if I rem- remembering correctly the first chapter of the book, you know, Snape's giving this information and you're thinking to yourself from book six, oh, Snape, you know, everybody thinks he's bad, but he's really good. You yeah. wait and see. We're going to find out he's good. And then the information that he gives about Harry is proven to be true. So you're like, holy crap, why did Snape do that? Is Snape bad? And that's what I was thinking on top of everything else. It's like, oh, geez, what does this mean now for Snape? And we find out later, of course, but. It was very, very cool idea to, on her part, to not immediately make it obvious one way or another with him. Yeah, she's so sneaky. <laughs> she's clever, sneaky little tricksy one. Yes, she is. Yeah. Yes. But then, I mean, like you said, I mean, here come the Death Eaters, and then suddenly, blam! You know, they're right on him, and here's Harry yeah. trying to do his, you know, sort of spells or Wingardium Leviosa trying to save Hagrid or Hedwig I mean uh, and it didn't work so so not not too far into it we lose Mad-Eye uh, yep we don't we lose Mad-Eye we, can, we, can we talk about Hedwig yeah, yeah let's have a moment of silence I was getting to that Hedwig's first and it's just so yeah all then after you know we don't know about Mad-Eye but we do know about Hedwig yeah. Hedwig was the death that made me realize, oh no, no one, no one is safe. Everyone is just up for grabs. Yeah. I, I and I, I kept thinking, who's gonna die next? After it that, it just felt so mean. And it, it, it was so hard. I, I was yeah. bawling my eyes out at that when I read that Hedwig died. I, I just had to stop, and I just, yeah. I was just shocked. Yeah, I didn't realize what I had think, happened at first. I I, I had to mm-hmm. reread that two or three times before it really sank in. Like, holy wow, she just killed Hedwig. That was amazing. Yeah, I think um, if I'm not mistaken, while we were reading that uh, for the first time, that was one of the points that we got up and went to the video camera and started getting yeah. all kinds of pissed oh, off. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't believe they just killed Hedwig. <laughs> so right right before we sat down to read the book, I was joking around, like saying like, I knew all these spoilers, and I'm like. Crookshanks kills Hedwig on page 102 or something. John! And I'm yeah, like, he did. Um, he did. He was goofing around. Yeah. He really totally did. Uh, it was not Crookshanks. <laughs> Who would have thought Hedwig would die, though? That's a big joke of it. Hedwig oh, not going to die, and then boom. I know. Hedwig was the one constant that was with Harry. Yeah. yeah. Through them all. I mean, there are still a few uh, uh, sanctions out there, uh, sex who uh, believe. That uh, perhaps 
uh, Hedwig was crossed bred with a phoenix at some point, and that perhaps <laughs> Hedwig may indeed be, be alive. Yeah. You think? There's a little but, uh, random faction that's in denial. That's just... Uh, yeah, that'll be a topic for a future uh, two-part episode uh, at some point. But uh, Special Hedwig we'll, experts. Um, uh, yes, we will bring in the, all the best Hedwig experts from around the fandom. Yeah. <laughs> and de- and debate that in a special three hour edition of podcast. <laughs> Be awesome. <laughs> um, I can't wait for that one. Oh, yeah, but for the for the sake of today, we'll leave it yeah. at that. How big gets it right in the face, and Harry's very distraught. Oh, about of it. course. But then you're surrounded in the face of one trying to like not fall out of the little car thing or whatever. Yeah, you know, and 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 then his friend Hagrid. I mean, you have to to focus. On your own survival, too, and it's just a terrible thing. I mean, but I thought that Joe mm-hmm. did a really good job of, of describing that how those kind of war situations, because this is what it was, yeah. was was like that. And you have to do, do that. And so he had no time to really grieve for this beloved creature. And it just happened so fast. And I just thought that was yeah. just... Well, because he's got Voldemort coming after yes. him at this point. Yes. Voldemort coming oh. around is what causes all this stuff to happen. Yes, it does. And I got to... Flying Voldemort. There, I, when I was reading this, because I remember, you know, having done all these podcasts with Mr. John Noe. And when I got to page 60, and all of a sudden, they're flying... I read the line, Voldemort was flying like smoke in the wind without broomstick or thestral to hold him. I just... I almost fell out of the couch that I was sitting on, because I just <laughs> was like... John was right! <laughs> I mean, it is pretty freaking insane. Because you can't, I mean, think about it. Voldemort, in all of his glory, isn't going to, like, uh, rely on some shoddy piece of equipment like a broomstick. Mere muggle invention. You know? As you, you, can't see, you can't see him riding, like, a, yeah. like, pretty much like a toy. Like, the kids learn to ride at school. He's not going to do that. And he's not going to depend on a magical creature because he hates magical creatures. They're, he's better than them. So, if anybody's got to come up with a way to fly... Yeah. On smoke, <laughs> it's it's Voldemort, and how how freaking cool is that? Because you even heard like later, they all, some of the guys were all like, "Like, did you see Voldemort? He can fly now!" And it's like, "Oh my god, this must be like a very rare thing." Yeah. You never heard of anybody being able to do this before. That was one of the scariest moments in the book. Just picturing that whole scene with him like flying was like, ugh. Yeah. I can't wait to see that though. Oh, that's going to be amazing! Oh my God, this whole scene—I kept thinking to myself, movie, movie, movie. movie. Yeah. This is going to be <laughs> the coolest opening sequence to a Harry Potter movie ever, yeah, ever, ever, hands oh. down. That's going to reel everybody in. I mean, compare that to Harry on the swing set with <laughs> Dudley and Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Or or this. It's like, oh my god, this is so cool. Yeah, and I actually thought that they might actually start the movie with this and skip the Dark Lord Ascending chapter. I actually think, you know, and then like they'll go back and uh, pick it up later. Because, yeah. I mean, this would just be a heck of a way to... It'd be cool. I mean, that's fine. I mean, you can go you can go out of order. It wouldn't really change anything. No, it really wouldn't. It, it, those, be, but it should be like a chance for them to do... Like, I don't know if anyone has seen the, the James Bond films, and they're notorious for they're having this fabulous opening scene. You oh, know? yeah. And this would just... Totally. I think this qualifies for that, but um, it would kill. I mean, you can't start the book with an obituary no. in a movie. No. Yeah, 
pretty much yeah. a bummer. People be like, what's going on here? Well, I mean, but it's a murder that happens in the, you know, with the murder charity Burbage, but I mean, that's but still. That's true. Everybody always overlooks that, and I just did it too. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what, what, what did Joe say? She's like, everybody's so upset about Hedwig, but I murdered a human being yeah. in the first yeah. chapter of the book. Like, well, we don't know who the hell that is, Joe. Yeah. We don't care about some yeah. new character you introduced for two pages yeah. and kill. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what the hell? But did, did did you guys so think though? Let's uh, so we're back on the seven potter. This is going on here. We have this flying lunatic madman Voldemort zooming after him, and then you could hear. And then she, Joe writes the words Avada, and I just wanted to like just I just like oh, close my yeah. eyes. I almost didn't want to read the next because mm. I was like afraid. Yeah. I was like I I just didn't know who it would be. And then yeah. Oh. Well, we have this this crazy crap happening with Harry's wand. Oh yes. Oh yeah. dude. Yes, good point. Which, uh, was... which is so screwed up. Yeah, uh, I, I had no idea what the heck was happening yeah. there, because you're almost like, what's going to save Harry now this time? Because surely, yeah. you know, he doesn't, he hasn't figured it out <laughs> to do it without any luck, mm-hmm. and here his own wand comes to the rescue. I still don't understand how that happened, though. What, what was that? Like some crazy magic reaction or something? Oh. It's, it's something that was unique to Harry and Voldemort's wands. And not, not even Voldemort's wands. It was Harry, uh, when they had their big thing in Goblet of Fire and their wands connected and stuff, and the brother wands, and they, Harry's wand basically saw Voldemort as his mortal enemy. So whenever it's you know around Voldemort, even though Voldemort was using Lucius Malfoy's wand, it, it knew that Voldemort was there and acted that way on Voldemort. And, and that was a big wonder until Joe explained it more in like interviews because it's like, does that mean Harry's wand is just this powerful now against anybody? It's like, no, just Voldemort and wow. he's dead, so that power's gone. <laughs> yeah. But it was very cool. Yeah. And freaked Voldemort the hell yeah, out. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah. It really did. <laughs> Can you imagine him being like, what the hell is this? I've been studying magic for 80 <laughs> years and I've never seen this crap and it's always this kid. What the hell? <laughs> you think he'd learn. <laughs> He's he's going to be like having a Charlie Brown moment there because it's like, Charlie why does Brown. it always happen to me? <laughs> what the you heck? Compare Voldemort to Charlie Brown. Oh, a very evil Charlie Brown. <laughs> I mean, that With, he is so. I mean, not they Charlie have this, Brown. Charlie Brown is lovable. They've got the same hair almost. <laughs> Charlie Brown doesn't have much hair. Very Slytherin, Charlie Brown. Yes, well, he's rocking. I can't believe look. you have besmirched a beloved character like Charlie Brown by calling him Voldemort. Oh. <laughs> Charlie Brown. <laughs> If, I don't think Charlie Brown wants to dress up for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> he could pull oh, it off. I guess off. it's that bald head that they both have in common. Is that it, John? Exactly. Oh, quite, quite larger. Yeah, I'm not it. sure anyone would dare think, pull the football out from Voldemort, though. That might be no. End well, <laughs> exactly. No. Voldemort would kill him on the spot. <laughs> but. Oh God! But then, anyway. and then, so after Charlie Brown Voldemort disappeared, um, yeah. Then that that last <laughs> chapter, I did, I thought that Hagrid was dead. Well, yeah, I really did. Follow the bouncing Jeez. Hagrid. I made me wonder. It's like, is there a reason we hardly learned the Neville story about how we fell out of his window and bounced all the way along? Oh yeah, oh, that's the a good ground. Point. It's like, how the hell can somebody survive a fault like that unless they've got some sort of magical blood? Well. I think she said once before that 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 you know like I think maybe it was earlier in Hapla Prince or something that this or maybe it was Goblet of Fire or no Order of the Phoenix when 
they try to take McGonagall and like the R's a dollish. <clears throat> we're trying to like yeah. attack him and the the spells are bouncing <laughs> off of him because like his 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 giant he is blood. Tough guy. No, like some, she said something about the giant blood is more magical or something that yeah. 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 So maybe uh, and, that, and that makes sense too. I mean I think they probably have a similar uh, magical protection against uh, what would be considered a a a death of muggle causes. Oh yeah, yeah like falling true. like them. Yeah. But I mean, there's that's limits to that, and probably the limits are expanded for a giant. But like when Harry was falling in Azkaban, and he had to have his uh, uh, momentum arrestrioed <laughs> carry. Uh, momentum. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks to the wandless uh, Dumbly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't survive forever a fall like that, but. But I didn't. Then we learned that you can. There's ways to survive mm-hmm. it uh, magically, but Hagrid didn't know how to do it. Like uh, uh, something of what, what do they call it? like a cushioning charm? Oh or, yeah, or, that's right. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it was like a in, impedimenta. Impedimenta is when you the slow him up, right, or trip him or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. It, I don't know. But there was something that he could have done, just didn't know how to do it, but he survived anyway. Hagrid survived every every possible thing in this book. For no good reason. <laughs> I mean, he's got a, the castle falling on him, and tra- <laughs> he gets trampled. He can't die. He's aggressive. The giant gets, who would not die. I know. <laughs> All the centaurs run over him. It yeah, reminded man. me of the, the the South Park episode when they purposely try to yes. not kill Kenny. <laughs> And he's like, you think Kenny, oh, they killed Kenny. But no, he didn't. He's all right. He didn't get electrocuted this time. It's Oh my God! They no, nope. He's fine. And and South Park is not for children. We just don't recommend that for younger children. But I'm just yeah. saying that the episode was <laughs> yeah. funny, and you remember that. Oh my God, yeah. Tom Noe. Oh, okay, breathe. But uh, so our next chapter, the Fallen Warrior. Yeah. At this point, we don't know who the Fallen Warrior was. I think I actually paged ahead by accident right after they killed Hedwig. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, how nice of them to have this nice service for <laughs> Hedwig. Because she was a warrior to Harry. She was a fighter. She was. But the last, it was not about Hedwig. I thought it would be about Hagrid. At that point, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. it's so yeah. Uh, that was probably purposefully done, too. Oh, I'm sure it was. Evil. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. After Hedwig had died, I went, okay, that's it. it yeah. H- Hagrid's gone now. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, she said it. it was a bloodbath, right? Would you? Were you guys yeah. expecting that? I mean, you know, when you were reading that. I would have been awfully quick to lose Hagrid, but it would have been very pronounced. You know, it would have been very yeah. intense. And it was almost like for a few pages, we thought he was dead. So it had the effect, yeah, you did. know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. At least you feel it. And then you're brought back like, oh, thank God, Hagrid. But, oh, yeah. Hedwig. But we got an awesome topic for next week. This topic ran long because, hell, it's an awesome topic. Yes, <laughs> that was That's still probably one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah. Is that, too. Is that yeah. sequence there. So very cool. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Yes. Thanks so much. This was fun. Yeah, it was very let's, fun. Um, let's take a quick break to play some five-second clip of the soundtrack and come back and uh, <laughs> talk about Phoenix Files. <laughs> Sound like a plan? Sounds awesome. Sounds good. I believe he who must not be named is back, and I believe you fought him and escaped from him. But here we are. It's the Phoenix Files. It's the time where we talk about the Order of the Phoenix film. And we haven't done this in a while, but to refresh you guys, we've been uh, taking it a few minutes at a time, 10 minutes, 6 seconds, doesn't matter. 
last week we talked a little bit about Umbridge and and things, and uh, this time we are going to dig in and talk about um, voiceover Harry as he writes Sirius, <laughs> walking down the hill, being an emo little guy, emo teen, and uh, finding fellow emo teen. Actually, she's not really that emo, is no. she? No. But uh, our new good friend, uh, Miss Looney Lovegood. Hey. Sorry, Luna Lovegood. <laughs> Trying to turn the Thessals into vegetarians and failing miserably. <laughs> I loved that scene. But um, it's cute scenes. So, yeah. uh, what do you guys want to? Uh, what's your favorite part of that moment here, Lizzie? I I just loved that we really got to see Luna, and yeah. she's really introduced. And I love Ivana, so it was yes. it was just great. And I I loved how she you know she gave the Thestral an apple, and the Thestral's just <laughs> yeah. like what what is this? Like, what are you trying to do? Poison me? And she like randomly has a piece of liver in her pocket. Yeah, she was ready for it. I don't think Luna always carries her own red meat, but I think she knew she was going to feed the Thestrals that day and was prepared. She probably had in a little Tupperware that we didn't see in her yeah. purse. Otherwise, that's just highly unsanitary. I don't care what magical blood you have. Yeah, no. Can wizards get a coli? I don't know. There's probably some like, like uh, Wingardium Coliatus spell that gets rid of it. But uh, yeah, it was pretty much a Luna scene, wasn't it? That was that scene was for her. Yeah. Can, can I just say from a point of view, like, because I I love special effects, and 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 you know that's what Mr. John's doing. But um, I just thought the Thestral and the baby Thestral in that scene were. Awesome. Oh, those were amazing. Oh, yeah. Dead, dead I on want awesome. A baby for, like, I would write it to <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would be amazing. Yeah. I think, uh, if I remember repeating the interviews correctly, um, the uh, director's call to, you know, include this kind of stuff in the scene was that he wanted the Thestrals, really emphasize that the Thestrals were, you know, gentle, gentle creatures and really contrast them from other scary looking creatures like the Dementors. And things to have, you know, when you show a baby of anything, it's not, it has to be cute. It doesn't matter. It could be a baby, you know, slug. And somehow <laughs> we find something cute about this. So uh, it worked. And everybody's falling in love with the cute baby Thestral boy. Sue's right. They did an awesome job mm-hmm. on those creatures. And, you know, it's as great as they did overall. They can't, it can't be said for uh, all the other effects in the movie. Yeah. But, so they awesome, awesome work. I forget which studio wasn't responsible for the festivals. They did a fantastic mm-hmm. job. Though. I'm, they I'm, were perfect. I, I thought I'm, ILM, but I might have. Yeah, I'm thinking ILM too. They usually get yeah. stuff like that. But it might be motion, moving pictures, but I don't know. It was excellent, and it just seemed really real. And I thought they did a good job, like interacting with it. You know, yeah. Like they kind of backed up and actors, and that's a hard thing to do because they're just. Like like what they did with Dobby, it's either on a stick or you know when they make yeah. movies or something, and um, just the two of them just had a really good. But I think Ivana would be fun to work with. I just think she seems like a really kind of cool person. She seems like a fantastic. Well, I mean, she picked up on all this. She seems like a great best friend. I, I would just want to sit down and like yeah. talk with her for an hour about random boyfriends and girl talk and gossip. She seems like the <laughs> best person to do that with in, in the entire world. No, she's um, she did. Uh, a fantastic job. I mean, it's funny. Like, it's such a a common thing you're hearing in in the reviews. It's like, oh, you know, a little hard to follow. They cut a lot of it out, but Luna Lovegood was great. I loved her lack of right, shoes. So. That was so cute. That was hilarious. It made me wonder how cold <laughs> yeah. it was outside. Because they're in northern, you know, wherever. 
Scotland. Yeah, because they were wearing coats we and things, presume. weren't they? It's been a yeah. while since I saw it, but I think she was wearing a coat or something, and then she's just randomly barefoot. <laughs> Gotta love her. And she doesn't care. It's like, I mean, because of the students, it's not that she's like some kind of weirdo. She, The students stole yeah. shoes. <laughs> yeah. But she comes out to play the Thestrals anyway. She doesn't mope about it in her, in her room. And it's such contrast to Harry, who came out yeah, there to mope. Right. He wasn't expecting to find Luna. He came out there to be a little emo teen, and who does he find but the person who, you know, gets about as much crap as Harry does, different sorts of it, but look how she deals with it. She goes out and hangs out with the Thestrals, and she cheers up Harry somehow. She gives Harry She's some perspective. Awesome. And, I, and it was such a nice scene, too, the way that, you know, she did that, and that they the filmmakers decided to keep that little, seemingly minor thing about them taking things from Luna and... And really showing yeah. that there are other people in the world that suffer in different ways. And, you know, sometimes we all get a caught up in our own emotions and our own problems. And it's so easy to do. And then when you go out, especially when, you know, like just growing up is such a hard thing. And then you go out and then, you, like you said, Harry was all just like, ah, oh, you know, life is bad. You could just see yeah. like the big cloud of doom hanging over his head. And then he realizes. It. And I just think that was really a well done scene from on that context right there. And, and I, cause I wondered how they were going to show, you know, all cap Harry and angry <laughs> Harry and just all yeah. emo Harry. Yeah. You know, and well, it's a good scene the way they handled that. I don't know. It's hard. It, it was hard. hard. I think to, to portray that with, um, you know, the, this, this medium is cause we, we don't get Harry's inner monologue no. and we don't get anything like this that, you know, you'll get a little more in the books and they had to use a, you know, the, the technique they did to do the, the serious letter, which explains a lot in that moment, yeah, because you, you, the students aren't as critical of Harry in, in, in the film, other than that one scene in the common room. Right. And we don't really see a lot from the uh, Daily Prophet that's getting on Harry's case. So it's um, to, to, to get the same message across that the book does about why this is such a difficult year for Harry and what's going on. He, you know, you have to be uh, very clever about how you get yeah, that through there. Yeah, they did a good job there. And then I think this yeah. scene um, is also kind of important for later on because like in the seventh book, we see that Luna having friends is a big motivation for her with her ceiling, her mm -hmm. beautiful ceiling. But this is kind of yeah. sets up that whole she's not exactly the most popular kid in the world thing that goes with I guess through all seven books or the three books we see her in anyway. Yeah, totally. I just, I just <sighs> loved her. I just loved her voice. I just, I can't rave about her enough. Just <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets on our case about why do you guys always talking about Nirvana? It's like, you guys think that, you know, she's this and this and this is like, well, come on guys. She is the, the, it's like, a lot of a lot of Harry Potter fans out there have their stories about why they're Harry Potter fans and how they got into the fandom right. and stuff, but no one has a cooler yeah, story. Yeah, she's than like this one girl. of us. She's exactly uh, she, right, you know exactly she yeah. she likes podcasts. She likes the websites and all this stuff. You know she she was a fan like us before she was anything else. So why she not read the books. her? Absolutely. And she's a sweetheart. So yeah, <laughs> oh, I mean with this cast, it was an accomplishment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if anybody's going to speak up on the set when something wrong happens, or you know, you know, you can count on her to yeah. do as much as she can. And she, she's the one that's living what we wish yeah. we could do. Exactly. Uh, we, we all wish we could act, you know, in the movies. Yeah. And she, yes. She got it, and she's amazing. She's, yeah. Amazing. I mean, 
My acting skills are pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I if you do say, say so yourself. I just, I just, I just couldn't get, I couldn't mm-hmm. get the accent down, and they wouldn't mm-hmm. have me. I was even gonna, you know, mm-hmm. falsify my uh, birth certificate, but they, they, ca- they caught me. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let oh, me. And what were you gonna be, Janita? No way, is that it? Why, why would I be a woman? There's a whole, well, there's loads of roles in this no, book. I think he was no, gonna what is wrong the with you? He was British. <laughs> I, I, yes. like, oh, I see what you're going for. It's, it's, it's hard enough to play to play English, but to play a female English is Did impossible. Did you see him in a blonde wig with little earrings? <laughs> yeah, I was I was going out for Pansy Parkinson, but I'd already cast that. Apparently. I'm sorry, John. I can resist. That was just too. It was a brutal day. That's what friends are for, dude. Just to torture yeah. you when you're down. <laughs> oh God. <sighs> okay. Well, it's sad, but um. Anyhow, so, what do we have up? Uh, did she skip? Did we miss anything? Did she say pudding in this scene? No, I've forgotten. I mean, I I don't know the whole little pudding. No, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the movie. She's like, oh, there's pudding. <laughs> yeah, she's good at the icebreakers. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody anybody remember what they do next week or the next uh, next scene? Any girls remember? Um, isn't it Umbridge and McGonagall having it out? Right. Ding, they, ding, ding. Okay. They 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 get on the steps and they you know have a a lady fight. Yeah. To be polite. <laughs> and um. <laughs> <laughs> he has such a way with words. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Umbridge decides to set up the Telltale Group, and uh, all the Slytherins raise their hands because they have nothing better to do in this movie. <laughs> they have nothing better to do. Period. So, the... Yes. Wow. Have to get Tom Felton in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than all of the partying that they're no doubt doing because they're awesome. Partying like they're evil. But uh, partying like they are evil. Rocking. With... Yay. Yes. Brian and Bradley trying to dodge the ninety-nine <laughs> Death Eaters. No. Oh, but, ding, oh, ding, 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 Mister Quick! I, don't I, know, I know, I know a wizard. Bridge. I know a wizard rock song. Mm-hmm. I know a song that, and he's not a boy. You don't belong here. You're not a boy. Oh, that's, <laughs> I love. That's, that's my song right there. I love that Tony one. Murray. I know all the words, as you can tell. Yeah, you're excellent, John. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for joining mm-hmm. us this week. Oh, well, thank you for having us. You yeah, did a killer you. job, and uh, Lord knows you guys are always around to sub in if we need you last minute now that Melissa has bailed on us. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys may be hearing from them again. So thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. It was fun. All right. All right. Bye, Take guys. care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Scribby 5, the five-minute podcast for Scribulous, the Leaky Cauldron's premier essay project. I'm Erin, or Calpheus on the forums. And I'm Linda, known as Mosaic on the forums. Today, we're going to be talking about The Virtue and the Viper, The Heroic Severus Snape by Anne Arthur. And this is in our latest issue, issue 19. So I'll give you a little summary of the essay in case you guys haven't had a chance to read it yet. This is what Anne says about her essay. The treatment of the good characters compared to the bad characters in both the written and spoken words of the author leaves a sour taste in the mouths of many readers. It seems the good characters can do no wrong and the bad characters have no choice but to be bad. Quite often, the choices of the good characters are celebrated, and the bad characters receive little or no credit for the moral choices they make, even though their choices are often the most difficult. 
Nowhere is this unfair treatment more apparent than with he who is named too often, Snape. This essay examines the discrepancies between said frequently discussed person, Snape, choices, and the way he is viewed by the other characters, as well as the author herself. Yes, I really did like this essay, and I like the author's name. I don't know if Anne Arthur is her real name, but it's like an author, and so I really like it if it is a plant word. <laughs> and um, so I also like the essay. Um, what I mostly liked about it was, as she says in the introduction, the stuff about the good and bad characters you know, the morality of the series is, is left slightly unclear by Joe Rowling. And I think it's, that is true. And we're all kind of trying to work that out now. And I'm certainly one of the people who's trying to do that. She says in the essay, I am left with a slightly sour taste in my mouth. It is still a good story, but a certain moral confusion and especially a lack of generosity in the treatment of some of the characters on the bad side means that it falls short of greatness for me. And that's what the author's opinion was, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, we've actually had a really active forum thread discussing this essay. I know a lot of us have been reading it, even if we haven't commented yet. We've got about four pages of comments talking about it. The author is there, too. She's actively discussing issues with posters. So it's really exciting. So if you guys want to be a part of the discussion or just read what other people have to say about this essay, go to the Scribblist section of the Leaky Lounge so you can get there through HP-related discussions and Diagon Alley, and you guys can weigh in on the discussion. Yeah, I actually just posted on there myself because I was excited about the conversation going on. She introduces the essay and talks about different characters, not just he who we talk about too often here on Scribulous. And um, so I, I thought that was actually a pretty good section, although I don't completely agree with her. Um, I actually found the flaws and the um, moral ambiguity in all the characters, which you know Joe manages to create really well, made them more realistic for me, whereas the author really felt that everything fell short for her because she it was hard to tell who was really good and who was really bad. She uses quotes on the words, on the terms good and bad when she talks about it. Yeah, but at the same time, um, I think that the final conclusion that the author makes is really good because she talks about Snape being heroic, um, which I tend to agree with because Snape is a very brave character because of all the good choices that he makes. But, you know, Harry's brave and Neville's brave and all these other characters are brave too. But at the same time, they have people backing them up. They have Dumbledore's army and the Order and all these other people fighting with them. But Snape doesn't have anyone. And the author does mention, you know, no one really knew who Snape's friends were when he was in school and he was kind of a loner and he doesn't have anyone with him. And when he's headmaster of the school in the in the seventh book everyone pretty much hates him and and wants to not be on his side i guess and the fact that snape stands up for what is right as opposed to what is easy is even greater and more heroic because he doesn't have all these people with him and he stands alone and so i think that that is an amazing conclusion so even though i'm not the biggest snape fan in the world i do tend to agree with the author's conclusion yeah, I actually agree with that, too, quite a bit. The one thing that I was thinking about along those lines is that for me, whereas I really longed for a reconciliation between Snape and Harry, too, just as this author did, and we have another essay that also talks about that reconciliation of, of Snape, of <coughs> he who we talk about too often, I mean. <laughs> and so basically, I really longed for that also. I had this idea in my head of Harry suddenly being like, oh, I totally misjudged you, you know, you... you you know, I was so wrong and Snape being like, boy, I see your mother and you, you know, not 
not just her father or something like this. But in a way, because we didn't have that, it made his death all the more tragic. Right. And in some ways, that was more moving for me. And so I think I actually kind of do like mm-hmm. the fact that we didn't meet my personal opinion is that I, because it was just so much more tragic that way. So that that was something I did like about Deathly Hallows. Yeah. And one thing that you and I were talking about, Aaron, is that, um, you know, I think a lot of us really like Snape as a character because he is so fascinating and so in-depth. And we tend to think of him as a main character. You know, you have the main trio, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, maybe Dumbledore's up there too, and then there's Snape. But Rowling doesn't really present him like that. He really is a secondary character along the lines of maybe Luna or Ginny or something like that. He's not a huge character. And I think that maybe one reason that some people were a little more disappointed in Deathly Hallows was because they expected something big with Snape. They expected a huge reconciliation or something that we just didn't really get. But I think that that's okay, like you said, because Snape isn't a huge character and that's all right. Right. I I tend to think that way too. So anyway, this essay is very thought-provoking and there's a good discussion on it going on in the forum. So if you want to go read the essay on scribulus.com and then make a comment in the forum, that would be really great. And we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. And now it's time for Canon Conundrums. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? And we're back here with Canon Conundrums. <laughs> What's that word? <laughs> In other words, we're more confused than we have ever been. Yeah. The well-intended Canon Conclusions morphed back to Canon Conundrums equals Canon Conundrums. <laughs> Say go. that three times fast. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. And we are here again, of course, with everybody. Remember Steve? Mm-hmm. Yay! Uh, Hi, Steve. Yay. And uh, it's just a little uh, threesome here, but uh, we're going to have some fun talking about... uh, What are we talking about, Steve? Well, you know, my big question, and I realize this is, you know, just me wondering all these weird things I wonder, but what exactly happened to the Dursleys? And I'm not talking about a year later. I mean, as they drove away, what exactly happened? Because, I mean, there's Death Eaters all over the place, you know. Yeah, definitely. Well... Who were they with? Let's see. They had Hestia and... Yeah. Daedalus Diggle is the big wild card for that Diggle. one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine what that car ride was like, Vernon? Yeah. Well, you I know. just... I, I like to imagine what it was <laughs> like back at headquarters before they arranged all this. And they said, let's send Diggle. <laughs> and they're all laughing. and You know. Ooh, I would love to go, he says. Yeah. I mean, it just is odd that... They go through what they did to get Harry out of there, and they just figured that the, all the Death Eaters would ignore the vehicle leaving the area that was supposed to be their house. Right. Well, you know, and they supposedly gave him enough time to get away, but still, you know. But, I mean, the fact that Diggle and them were accompanying the Dursleys meant that they assumed that there might be some trouble. Right. Right. So they had some protection. And, you know, I'm sure they probably cast some protective charms or something. And I just imagine the Death Eaters kind of kind of shadowing the car, you know, them going, checking yeah. to see if Harry is in the car, which I think would have been a really, really good plan. Put Harry in the car. Yeah. Totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, is there would be like a cloaking? Because, like, see, Dudley had no magical protection, right? Because he was not... 
I mean, even though they're the same mm-hmm. age, right? Um, right. Well, yeah, but Dudley's yeah. not completely, you know. He's yeah. A, he's a dead. But I w- there must have been some sort of shield over that car. And that's that's what I mean. And, and certainly they would have detected that, don't you think? I would think so, too. Maybe I'm giving too much credit to the Death Eaters, because they're a bunch no. of idiots. Was there ever a spell talked about that can determine whether or not a person has any magical blood in them? Hmm. Um, like some kind of revealer to be like, oh, it's just a muggle. Ignore it. I, I don't know. It seems I'm trying to trying to remember if there's anything specifically like that. Uh, but even even so, if they would have cast any sort of magical protections, which I think is logical that they would have, uh, you know, you'd think that would have shown up. I mean, they were only expecting maybe one or two Death Eaters. Did you ever notice anything, with the exception of Lucius and his family, the Death Eaters are all really ugly. What, do they, you have to be yeah. ugly to be a Death Eater? <laughs> all bad guys are ugly. Look, look at the orcs. You know, they all have twisted faces. And- the Yurikai. Well, they're not exactly orcs. They're just, I mean, what happens if you go to Hogwarts and you're kind of ugly and you just kind of automatically get put into Slytherin? Is that, you know? Who else will take you in? Well, right. I guess so. I guess Pansy Parkinson is described as kind of pug-nosed, so I guess that's not. Well, through Harry's eyes, all the people he doesn't like are going to be ugly. But that's so funny that all of them are, well, yeah, yeah I Snape is Twisted even face, pockmarked face. He's all you know, pathetic, weird-looking people. You know, oh, in I order mean, to be a Death Eater, maybe maybe they do a transfiguration to make you really ugly and funny-looking, you know, because then you can be a real Death Eater. <laughs> maybe that evil just kind of wears, I mean, yeah. Bellatrix was supposed to be beautiful yeah. before she went to Azkaban. Yeah, see, that, that's an Azkaban you know, effect. I mean, I think that, I think, let's yeah. see, but the exception of the Black family, because, you know, Narcissa is yeah. beautiful and, you know, Lucius is, you know, sure. well, I don't know if he's beautiful. I'm, you know, Jason Isaacs is a fairly good looking guy, but. Yes, he is. Thank you. I was going to refrain from commenting, but now since the topic is on the table, he's beautiful. <laughs> Just to distill it down a little more, it's a very common thing to have your bad guys in the stories be unattractive unless there's a more interesting way to go about doing it. Like, you know, the Malfoys may have some looks, mm-hmm. but, you know, their, their, their whole character is outward appearances versus, you know, what their inner motives are right. and things like that. So okay. that contrast is what's That's interesting true. for them. But, I mean, to bring it back to the Dursleys, you know, we got two or three <laughs> really ugly people. You know, on the Grizzlies ever yeah, described I mean, as attractive okay. people. I mean, really, yeah. I mean, you got, you know, Batuni was supposed to have like a really long draft, goofy neck, and yeah. you know, they never described them in any flattering way. <laughs> yeah. If the Dursleys were really attractive and good okay. old people, we but wouldn't just, just, dislike just them. Just to clarify here, just to clarify, <laughs> has this canon conundrum ever suddenly gotten to the point where we're discussing whether the Dursleys are good looking? Pretty much. At the moment, it is. That's okay, then. All right. As long as we're all kind of on the same page. So what you're saying is that their ugliness acts as like a a death repellent? I mean, because they're (laughs) ugly, they cannot be killed? Well, maybe the Death Eaters would look at them and think they were part of the team. Oh, I see. Yeah, well. <laughs> They're wearing team colors. So anyway, so we've got the we've got the ugly Death Eaters on the broomsticks tailing yeah. the car. I'm just imagining this now. Deedalus Diggle, uh-huh. you know, is, is and, and Hestia Jones are there to protect them. Yeah. And what happens? You know, and just imagine that moment. Did we ever determine where they went? Do you think they stayed in country or they went off to like some island down like the Barbados or somewhere, you know? Or like to St. John, some sort of... <laughs> well, they wanted to place. get a house in Mallorca at one point, so... Oh, yeah. well, maybe that's where they went. No, I think, I think they went to, uh, you know, a, a safe house somewhere out in the 
out mm-hmm. wherever. Oh, it would be poetic justice if we ever found out that they went back out to oh, that beautiful. island that you know. <laughs> yeah, the, awesome. they're, on the, they're at the hut on the rock, the sitting there with Nastia Jones and Deedless Diggle. <laughs> what a life! <laughs> and the only food they're going to have is whatever the wizards come up with: sausages and birthday cakes. <laughs> Sausages and birthday cake still left there from yes. you know seven years ago. Oh, yeah. His rock cakes are still around. I'm sure those are well preserved. I guess why this is interesting to me: the interplay between Petunia and Vernon is so interesting. I mean, he is the absolute consummate muggle, and she is this. We have discovered a little bit between the two worlds. Okay, right. And of course, much further into the muggle direction right now. But she has this deep-down knowledge of understanding of the fact that magic is real and things like this. And would there come a point where she would realize that, okay, it is time for me now to embrace the magic world because I need to defend my family. And not that she does magic, but that she, in a sense, stops Vernon, if you will. You know, he's going to be so totally anti and she finally says, look, we've got, to do, we've got to do this. We've got to work with these people. We've got to do whatever they tell us because this, this, and this. I mean, that's Dudley basically said that. If Dudley comes around, you know, Dudley allying mm-hmm. with Petunia in those views could probably motivate Vernon to be more amiable to cooperating with Magical World. Right. Harry did say in that chapter say something about the fact that, well, once Dudley wanted to go, then, then he knew that the victory was his because or whatever, because they were they were going to do whatever Dudley wanted. And Dudley now, of course, has had the experience with the mentors. But it's just just interesting to imagine the byplay between Vernon and Petunia if she gets to that point where she says, No, Vernon, shut up. You know, we've got to do this and, and right. what would he actually do? How would that go? I just think it'd be a great story, you know? Yeah, because there was one of the things we learned later when we were there in New York that night is that the reason, you know, that last, that thing that he was talking about was Dumbledore persuaded her to take her in by appealing to that part, you know, to mm-hmm. remember that she wanted to go to Hogwarts yeah. and, and stuff. Right. So somewhere probably along that drive, she was probably thinking about that as well and realizing, I, I, I would like to think, because later on we also learned, too, that Joe, that later that Dudley and Harry ended up exchanging cards and they have like, you know... You know, the family little get-togethers and stuff later on. Okay, there's another interesting picture. Dudley and his wife and kids. Yes. And Harry and Lily and (laughs) Albus. And, you know, it's like they're all playing together and kind of just staring at each other. You know, We've all had those kind of family reunions where you get together with cousins you hardly know and don't like very much. And you sit there and kind of look at each other and, you know, Can you imagine that? Like, so there they are all, like, into magic and doing stuff, and there's Vernon trying, you know, Grandpa Vernon (laughs) sitting there. I mean, because you you know how impossible it would be to tell kids at, like, a young age that are growing up in the magical world and to appreciate and to love magic that we're going around your relatives that don't like it, so don't talk about it. Like, don't hover around on your three-foot-off-the-ground broomsticks that (laughs) your dad gets you. (laughs) And, and and then can you imagine can you imagine Dudley's kids are going, Dad, can we do that? Can we do that? No. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. No. Otherwise, yeah, go ahead. Just don't tell your grandpa. Well, you know, what's interesting is do we know if just because somebody is a squib, does that mean that they're incapable of passing down magical blood to offspring that might, you know, show mm. ability? Like, just because Dudley never had it, and you think... Right, but if muggles, if if muggles could, 
if muggles can can yeah. use a witch or wizard, I mean, certainly Squib right. could. But I wonder if Dudley's Dudley can. And, and, and we do know that Petunia wanted to, so may, you know, maybe that that will from yeah. her side, of, you know, her would would be passed down. Wow, that would be awesome. Did you imagine if Dudley's kids was like one of the first other uh, magical kid from that family for a while? Oh, what if he, Vernon wouldn't permit it? He Grandpa Vernon would like try and squish it out hey, of it. Like, we, I'm surprised care. Vernon is is still alive at this point for the heart condition that yeah. guy must have. And the stress? Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, that guy's popped so many arteries at well, that point. That plus, just imagine you know him in the midst of a magical battle. Yeah, you know, yeah. I For do real. not believe there is no such thing. There is no such. There is yeah. no such yeah. thing as magic. <laughs> He's getting a jet full of it to the face. Yeah. But that would be interesting, though, to Poor for room. Harry to, to be a fly in that room when the first meeting of, like, Harry after all this has happened and, you know, they are finding out what had happened and the great lengths that Harry had gone to to actually, like, save the magical world. And that – because Dudley seemed to have some sort of appreciation of what that kind of first meeting was like. That would be really right. interesting. Right. And, and, and for Petunia to, and to find out, too, just what, yeah. you know, the whole story was. What a what – yeah. Would yeah. she then, I understand, you know, Joe kind of gave her the chance to say something and she just couldn't, just didn't. But I think, you know, John, it's like you say, I think, I think there's something inside Petunia which still has that, not only knowledge of, but a certain longing for maybe, for, for, yeah, for the magical world so. and for what her sister had. Yeah. I don't know if Joe intended this or not, but when I read that in, uh, additional information about Petunia, about things she might have said and how she wanted to get involved, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of some uh, adults and some parents that I've heard about um, who had uh, their kids um, really like Harry Potter and you know they may know people who like it. and. But there, for whatever reason, you know, oh, this is a kid's book. I'm not interested in this. You mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm above all of this. But, you know, Inside's probably very curious as to mm-hmm. what, you know, is so compelling about this and may want to get involved with this themselves. But, you know, for whatever reasons they have, are afraid to or afraid to be, you know, admonished by other like-minded people that they know. Well, and I've, I've, I've heard of lots of people who have, been in that situation like what you're describing and then when they actually read the books they just can't stop the reading. Exactly. I mean that's that's what I think she's embodied here with Petunia is somebody yeah. who is, you know, tempted to be involved with something like this, but you know, they're get, they're getting in the way of themselves of of discovering uh you know, the magic of Potter and all this. And just think what a broken heart that little girl had when she sent that letter to Dumbledore and got that response. Yes. Oh yeah. You know? I mean to to have actually brought herself to the point of sending that letter and how hopeful she would have been. I've made contact or whatever, and then to get that letter saying, no, I'm sorry, it can't be. I mean, oh, poor thing. You know, even that's true. And I know we it's amazing that we can have sympathy for Petunia knowing how she was so very unkind to Harry growing up. But yet at that same, you know, emotions at that age are so tender and mm-hmm. so sure. intense mm-hmm. that it must have really, really affected her. And when you consider that, you it does make her just a slightly bit more sympathetic, although oh, I thought her much. behavior was abominable. But, you yeah. know. I mean, everything she's done to Harry since then loses all the sympathy, I would yeah. I would think. The kind of things we've been talking about, that, the, that feeling of, of not being able to be part of that is still mm-hmm. going to be part of her, yeah. I think. That, that, And I know she's been hurt, and I know she, from 
from the way things went and the way things went with with Lily and so. But I just think there's got to be some part of her yet that's just longing for that. Yeah. It would just be interesting, again, going back to the whole idea of, okay, they leave, they're driving away. The initial rescue, whatever... What happens if somewhere right. along the line they're chatting with Deedles Diggle and whatever or so, and they say Voldemort? Right. All of a sudden sure. they've got Snatchers or whatever yeah. all around them. I mean, there's yeah, just so exactly. many opportunities during the course of that, you know, book for something to happen like that. Right. What they could have also put it like in a what's that charm that um, Hermione did? Maybe they put him under the spell when they couldn't remember that they were had a, a nephew or something. That, I mean, that would probably be a fair idea at the time. Just like a temporary yeah. thing? I don't know. Uh, That's I th- interesting. I think huh. that, um, you know, the Dursleys are just another another example of characters that, you know, would have made the book 1,200 pages, but there's so much more yeah. we could have we could have gotten from right. them. Because, I mean, I thought again recently about, you know, if they were never presented with Harry, would they have parented uh-huh. Dudley the same way? I don't think so because I I think that a lot of the motivation for the spoiling of Dudley that Petunia does is rooted in, you know, wanting to, you know, reverse the upbringing she had where the magical child or the one with the talents and the abilities was showered with all, you know, or at least in her eyes all of the praise. So when in her house she wants Dudley, the ordinary kid, to be the special one, and Harry, the kid with these talents and abilities, to be you know the dirt, and to get. You know, right. special attention. I I never thought about that. That's that's a that's a great thought. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously we're looking at characters in the book. We're looking at kind of cartoony situation. But yeah. yeah. I, Joe is she's so good. I'm, I'm just I just marvel at the way she's tied things together in seven yeah. books. I, I can't even imagine how she does that. And this is one more example. She's taken these characters who are just cartoons. Let's face it, especially in the beginning when, you know, yeah. there's only 37. Yeah. Well, we'll buy two more presents when we go out. Popkin, is that all right? You know, they're just yeah. jokes. But then over the course of seven books, we have these moments, the one with the, you know, the glasses of meat banging them in the head and the, you know, all these wonderful moments, which yeah. also, yeah bring out these characters and yeah it's it's amazing how how much we i mean we can sit and talk for 20 minutes about these basically minor characters in the mm-hmm. story but they're, they're fascinating yeah well i mean i think one of the cool things that uh i picked up from actually uh, having the chance to to talk to joe in in new york is that a lot of the people even people involved with you know Harry Potter, like you know, some of the some of the people were kind of joking around about how excited people are getting to meet Joe and hear these things, but they're just people who don't get it. But to to Joe, every every one of these characters is I I don't want to say like a real person, but it's not silly for us to have canon conundrums because you know just because right. it wasn't in the right. book doesn't mean it wasn't thought about right. and doesn't mean that it wasn't developed oh. in a way that was used it's to shape the storyline oh. which is why we want her to publish her notes <laughs> that yes, would be exactly. that would be brilliant but i mean it's after you after you ask her a question as silly as you know did helga enslave the house elves and she doesn't laugh in your face and she actually immediately has a thoughtful answer to it 
she's thought about all of this, you know, thousands mm-hmm. <laughs> more times than we have. We ought to get her on canon conundrums. I'll bet. I'll bet she. She. Oh have God! Some stuff. She oh, would yeah. all of us. It would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, Joe, if you're listening, uh, here's a standing invite yeah, to join us on much. canon conundrums. Yeah, we'll try to think of a really good question to ask. I have about fifteen <laughs> to start yeah. with right away. You know, Sue, you're going to get a Let's phone go. call now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah me much, and Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but John's the one with the Noe Lover friend there. The, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you borrow contact, right? Skype contact oh. information. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's hop out of here, guys. What, what, what did we decide now? I, I just... I think that they're accepting of... I, I think that they've had no choice because of... It. You know, Joe's given us the information that they that Harry and Dudley have had contact post... And that, you know, so I think that they've come to a point that they have accepted a lot more than they did before. But I wouldn't say that they're best. Yeah. Friend. No, and no. that knowing that they did survive that far means that if they were attacked after, the, you know, the seven Harrys popped out of there, then it wasn't too serious, and that they survived mm-hmm. to tell their tale another day. That just would be fun to, to see Deedles Diggle in combat too. I think I'm sure he's be awesome. sure he's awesome. Probably like Flitwick, you know, someone you, you don't expect to be awesome, right. but is totally ridiculous. Or, or awesome. Yoda. Yeah. Backflipping off the spaceships. Yeah. With the you think Daedalus is like the, the Yoda one. of the magic world? That'd be awesome. Very cool. I like that awesome. a lot. I think we need to Very start a whole good. new strain of fan fiction about Daedalus Diggle. He can have his own <laughs> website. My new favorite, my new favorite character. DaedalusFans.com. <laughs> All right, let's push on through it here. we got a bit more show to cover, and I think we're going to try to hit up all of these uh, Joe Q&As for the canon conundrums here the uh, next few episodes. Yeah, we'll... Oh, excellent. Stay tuned. So More to come. Fun. Wonderful. All right. Thanks, Steve-O. Thanks, Steve. All right. Yay! See you guys. Woo! See ya. Take care. Bye. Oh, Melvin. Where are you, Melvin? I miss you, Melvin. Melvin! Melvin! I'm coming. I'm it coming. sounds, you know, when you, I think that, I think, remember how we did the Alvin? The... Christmas. Christmas. Oh, take out the butterbeer. Our jingle spells this year. That was that's a bonus track, guys. <laughs> no, no, Melvin overruled <laughs> no. it. Drat that Melvin, she's no fun. <laughs> yeah, Melvin and Mushaka. <laughs> Melvin and Mushaka. That's it. <laughs> Much, I wasn't saying Mushaka. That's hilarious, though. <laughs> she's gonna. Kill I didn't me. even. Your head went there. Quickly, Muchkaka. I love our new nicknames this week. This is brilliant. I'm dead. She's going to get oh, this man. owl. What are you doing? What oh, are you doing? You're supposed to help control him. No. <laughs> we're not afraid of no Muchkaka. <laughs> Anyways, what a crazy week. I think we did yeah. it, though, and I think we didn't fail miserably. Yeah. Um, just real quick, um, I'm confused mm-hmm. because a week has gone by and no one mentioned whether or not Dumbledore what? was gay. He is? Is it okay if we don't talk about it every uh, week, or are you guys going to get p- upset at it? I personally I think, think we're, we're cool. cool. Very cool. I don't think we need to talk. Every podcast about Dumbledore's, you know, um, sexual lifestyle. Yeah. But uh, I think he is still gay, yeah. so a good double check. Go. Yeah. Anyway. Fun show. Good yeah. stuff. You know... Any announcements? No, to but make? you know what? It's November, folks. November. Just saying, November. Oh, it's almost Turkey Day. I know. Well, it not is. really did... almost Turkey Day. Hope you all yeah. had a fun did Halloween. You... Sorry about our lack did of Halloween episode. Did you dress up? 
Um, I, you know, I was doing homework because I'm <laughs> hecka lame. And uh, I did do my homework oh, in my well, Hogwarts see, robe. Just don't, yeah. don't tell anybody. Actually, all you guys think it's cool. Everybody else in my oh. apartment. I was a Hufflepuff. That's when a beauty I was of the fandom, candy, I was guys. in my Hufflepuff, yes. Were you there? But everybody uh, there, a little you like eight-year-old boy came up to me and said, "Hufflepuffs are cool too," and he gave me high five. So I gave him extra candy. So I was like, "Yeah, heck yes!" And of course, the other people. Oh, good. Let yeah. good to do that. It's good to give people hope that they might. Be you know, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I give I give candy and cookies. I'm just oh. saying. Hopefully, we didn't drive you guys crazy. Sort of. But um. So, if you guys hadn't figured it out, the whole guest host thing was trying to prepare us for that uh, inevitable day that uh, Melvin yeah. would bow out on us. But it came a little sooner than anticipated, so we had like two or three of you guys in the deal with So, we got a couple lined up for next week. It'll be fun, and we might even let the guest host sit in on some of these other segments if they are yeah. particularly awesome at it. Oh, can we mention too? Please don't forget to send in your video blog challenge for our jingle spells thing. Yes. Yes, that is awesome. Jingle spells video yes. challenges. We've seen some hilarious ones, starting with Mr. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Fraggle Frack. It's still open. It's still going um, on. So who did it? Heck, heck, heck of a job. Yeah, it is still. Yeah, I mean, it's never going to end until the thing's done. But uh, yeah, it will be cool. And uh, guess what else is still going on that has not been ditched, just uh, has fallen by the wayside I, of all these other know. crazy things going on. That's our awesome oh, podcast acting troupe. How splendid, she says in her fake. Uh, we Ooh, have updates on this front. We have decided, by result of lots of discussion, to um, base our fun little plays uh, in cooperation with our mm. good friends from the Sugar Quill which is uh, a very well-known um, Harry Potter fan fiction site. Who, uh, do you know anything more about these guys? Other than that, they, uh, they have put a big uh, strength in uh, um, a- yeah. actual universe fan fiction yeah. as opposed no, to the alternate universe. Yeah, and they're just really, really um, which, uh, <clears throat> they're an intelligent site. I, like, I, that, I was actually the first fan fiction site I read. I'm, and our friend Kristen Brown, I believe, does some work on there. And um, yeah. they're going to be helping us out. And have yeah. yeah, they'll be helping us come up with this script. And um, we are going to try to have uh, bits of it uh, uh, in, in, uh, at the end of uh, every other segment or so, have a poll on Pottercast for you guys to vote on some of the details of the, of the thing. So it's going to be pretty cool. much like your guys' fic, too. You guys' script, too. And... Um, we're still trying to figure out how best to audition you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll have that within the next week or so, and uh, let you know if you want to be acting out in a little radio show, podcast style. Um, we'll let you know how to be involved with that, uh, hopefully in a week or so. Yeah, Miss Meg is going to be, yeah. be helping out, and I think you guys will be impressed with, with this. She is one heck of a writer and awesome. Yes. Very, very talented people working on this script, so it should be quite entertaining. And you yeah. shouldn't want to be skipping through it. Oh, I don't know. Some of you guys <laughs> might be all. Rawr, rawr, rawr. I don't like acting. Rawr, rawr. And you're welcome to fast forward. But, I think but so. uh, this should be. I love fun. our fandom. There's so many different rocking things. Our fandom yeah, rocks. But uh, I guess it is that time again to say goodbye, goodbye. to all the podcast family. 
P O T T E R C A. Hey, I think so. I guess. Should we? Is that some? Is that a copyright? I don't know. I don't know. Buttercast, 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 buttercast. I gotta think of a new cheer. I need to get him up the cheer. Forever, let yeah. us keep our iPods charged. Buttercast, should we say keep twiddling those dials? Know. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We do do that, don't we? We have to remember that everybody needs to keep twiddling uh, their dials. Our password will be Melvin. 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 So you should keep each okay. other safe. Good night. <gasps> Good night. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. We've missed it. W-3. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> this week's Pottercast was produced by the Pottercast Trio and Steve Bonnet. The show was edited by Steed, Hildy, Samantha, and Liz. Thanks to Steve Vanderark for joining us for Canon Conclusions. Thanks to our Scooby 5 team, Aaron and Nina. And thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com.